Thank you for tuning in to Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help Deer Creek Church think and act faithfully in a changing world. One of the most common conversations Christians have is how to make sense of the Bible. I came across an article recently that expressed frustration that the Bible just doesn't make sense and doesn't quite fit together. The author of the article wrote, I was brought up in the church. I grew up Catholic. Part of my socialization involved going to church every Sunday and saying the rosary every day. I read the Bible frequently and was trained to never question the word of God as he was all-knowing and his word was holy and true. But now that I'm free of that fear and can use logic and reason to come up with my own conclusions— And after listening and reading widely on the subject, there are many things in the Bible that don't make sense. Namely, how does the Bible actually fit together? It seems like a random collection of stories and rules that don't have any logical coherence. How does God relate to humans is another confusing topic. Like God preaching forgiveness, but couldn't forgive Adam and Eve, his most important creation, one time. Instead of forgiving them for their transgressions, he threw them out of the Garden of Eden after their very first mistake. What's that all about? Or take the story of Exodus. Why would God kill innocent children when he killed all the firstborns of the Egyptians? What crime had they committed? They say he's a just God, don't they? Why would he kill innocent children because of the sins of their Pharaoh? Those are all common conversations that we have on a somewhat regular basis uh, that the Bible sometimes is hard to understand and hard to see how all of it fits together and that it's hard to make sense of how God relates to us. So we want to answer those questions today. First, how does the Bible fit together? And then secondly, how does God relate to us? And answering those questions with me today, I have Chad Donahoe. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And Aaron Ellis? I'm doing pretty good too. All right, it's guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what's our answer to those two common questions? One, how does the Bible fit together? And two, how does God relate to us? How would we take a step at that? I actually think the answer to both of those questions, it's the same. So the answer is the word covenant. So throughout the Bible, God relates to humans by entering into covenants with humanity. And when you understand how God's covenants with humanity work, you see that based on those covenants, his relationship with them differs, right? Mm-hmm. So his relationship between um, the people based on those covenants, it's, it differs, right? So also, when you understand these covenants, you see that they really start to make sense of the whole Bible, and they help you understand how the Bible fits together. Yeah, fully agree. The answer is the word covenant. In fact, there's a whole field of study devoted to this called Covenant theology. And you've probably noticed, well, we'll see if you've noticed that covenant is written on the title pages of the two parts of your Bible uh, because they read Old Testament and New Testament, but testamentum is the Latin word for covenant. Mm -hmm. And how did that title get there? Well, the earliest Christians saw a big chunk of the history of God's people is divided up between the Old Covenant, uh, and that would be that God made with Moses before Israel entered into the promised land, and the new covenant, which was accomplished in Christ. So covenant theology is simply recognizing that very thing, that the Bible is structured by covenants. Covenants make all the Bible fit together and help us understand how God relates to humanity. That's good. So before we get ahead of ourselves, maybe we need to take a brief, let's just take one step back really quick and ask, 
maybe the more basic question, what is a covenant? Okay. Let me, uh, let me apply my seminary education here. Mm-hmm. Please the, do. The Hebrew. <laughs> the Hebrew. Where did you go to seminary again? <laughs> covenant Theological Seminary. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good seminary. The Hebrew word for covenant is berit. Mm-hmm. The Greek word is diatheke. They both mean the same thing. A covenant is a God-initiated, binding, living relationship between God and certain people. So at its most basic form, that is what a covenant is. And I'd just add uh, one thing to that. A covenant is always ratified with blood, so meaning mm. that the consequences and benefits deal with life and death. So a covenant is a God-initiated, binding, living relationship uh, between God and and certain people always ratified with blood. Yeah, a good analogy would be marriage, right? Covenants, like if we wanted to find an analogy in our life, marriage would be probably the best analogy. Covenants between God and humanity in the Bible are a lot like marriage. There's two parties that come together. They're binding together these two parties into a living relationship, right? That's why we say these vows, all that I am and all that I have is yours. So when you think of covenants in Scripture, it can be helpful to think of them. They're, they're a lot like a marriage. Yeah, that's good. Um, and all covenants have certain elements. Uh, so we'd say the conditions of covenants will include two parties. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be conditions for the covenants. There will be promises that are made and penalties based on obedience or lack of obedience. Yep. So just to summarize, the Bible is structured by covenants. So that's a God-initiated binding relationship between God and people ratified by blood. God relates to human beings through covenants. So God relates to us, and we relate to him through covenants. And all of these covenants have four parts, as, as Chad, you just mentioned. They have parties, they have conditions, promises, and penalties. Okay, so that's good. Now that you take a step back, let's take a step forward here. Now, Now that we've defined it, Where do we actually see this in the Bible then? Because we're throwing this out, but do we actually see this in the Bible, covenants? Yes, we do. And the first covenant we see in the Bible is known as the covenant of works. You see the covenant of works um, at the beginning of Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, those are chapters where God enters into the first covenant with humanity through Adam and Eve, and that is a covenant of works. Yeah, and you can see this if you were to pick up the book, What We Believe, on the Next Steps table, and you looked at Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7, paragraph 2, it says, The first covenant made with man was a covenant of works in which life was promised to Adam by God, and in him to his posterity, that's his, his descendants, anybody who would come from Adam, upon condition of perfect and perfect personal obedience. So <clears throat> what this is saying is that the first covenant God entered into with humanity happened in the Garden of Eden. Two parties, God and Adam, there were conditions, perfect obedience to God's law, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam was required to do something in order to maintain this relationship with God, and and uh, that was the condition for keeping the covenant. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. There were also penalties to it, physical, spiritual, eternal death. God said, on the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And there were also promises. If you don't eat it, you'll live. You'll have physical, spiritual, and eternal life. So yeah, that's the first covenant God made with humankind through Adam. It was a covenant of works. Yeah, and when you think about it, that covenant, the covenant works— is really ingrained in us. Every religion essentially teaches that covenant. And here's what I mean. 
uh, teaches, or, or the thought is, if you do good, God will let you into heaven. And the reason we intuitively believe that and, and that all religions teach that is because it is the covenant God gave humanity through Adam and Eve. Do this, main, namely obedience, do this and live. Don't di- do this. And disobedience. Di- disobedience and die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how God relates to us. We do good, we get good. We do bad, we get bad. That is the covenant of works. Yeah, and karma, right? That reminds me of, you know, some people teach karma. We we often hear people talk about that a lot, where mm-hmm. um, it's the basic idea that, um, uh, that instead of using the term covenant of works, or, um, they'll say like, you know, um, what what goes round comes round, right? Mm-hmm. I do good stuff, and good um, stuff comes to me, and good stuff comes right back to me, and so. Um, that's that's a common way that that we see that people kind of try to live that out, you know. Um, but yeah. to, to to summarize this, the the first covenant we see in scripture is the covenant of works, right? Um, this is where God promised uh, eternal life to Adam and Eve and their posterity to their children through Adam's perfect personal obedience. Okay, so so Adam would be perfectly obedient, and life would continue. And that covenant is also, uh, that that covenant is almost ingrained in us, if mm-hmm. you will, right? Mm-hmm. It pops up naturally when we think of how we relate to God. And that's that's why I brought up, you know, karma, oh, totally. right? Yeah. Because um, all it, religions basically teach that. Yeah. Yep. It, so in, in some way, it actually does make sense. Yeah. But... And just to think for a second, yeah. just the radical difference between, you know, so often whether... Music, sitcoms, you name it, um, karma is assumed. Whereas for the Christian, yeah. we say, no, it's all about grace. Totally. Right. All totally. about grace. And mm-hmm. and that, exactly. And that is because of this. Because um, the, the thing that I was just thinking of is it, it kind of begs the next question, which yeah. is this. It says, so how does Adam do with this covenant, right? What 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 did he do with this? Does Did he keep the covenant? Ooh, ooh I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Daniel has yeah. his hand no, up. No, so. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The answer would be no. Adam. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Adam did. <laughs> Adam did not keep the covenant. In fact, we have. It's clear in Scripture. Hosea 6, uh, verse 7, mm-hmm. is speaking about uh, God talking to Israel and Judah, and he says, Like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they de- uh, dealt faithlessly with mm-hmm. me. So God's comparing the Israelites to Adam in the garden. They disobeyed God. So the short answer is no. Adam transgressed the covenant. He did not do what God commanded. He ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had commanded him not to eat of. As a result, he did not receive the promise of eternal life, but what he received instead was the penalty, penalty. the guilt for his sin, which is death. Death, yeah. And also, uh, not just Old Testament, right, but New Testament. Uh, Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 5. I'll just read Romans 5, verse 12, where Paul says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, namely Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul goes on with mm-hmm. this argument in verse 18. Therefore, as one trust, uh, trespass led to condemnation for all men, again, this one trespass through Adam, led to com- condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And we would say that mm-hmm. one act was through whom? Christ. There you go. Verse 19, 
For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so that by the one man's obedience, namely Jesus, the many will be made righteous. That, that's what, isn't that what makes other religions so tragic? We think, yeah, we can receive eternal life, we can receive heaven by doing good works, by being a good person, do good, get good. But Paul is explicit. Sin came through Adam, death through sin, death spread to every person because we all sinned. And now, and he adds to it, now we're all condemned. We're all sinners because Adam failed the covenant of works. We're all born condemned and sinful. And now nobody can save themselves through obedience. Uh, nobody through God's law or by being a good person or by doing enough good things. It's tragic. And mm. ah, well, anyway, so why is it important to, let's ask this question. Why is it important to know the idea of the covenant of works? Well, everyone is born into this covenant. That's why. So Adam is our representative and he is our covenant mediator. So he acted for us as the representative of all humanity. So if we are his posterity, we descend from him, we are then guilty with him. We are also bound by creation and nature into this covenant relationship with God. And because of this covenant and the failure of Adam, we are all now born alienated from God, and we cannot save ourselves. Uh, as the Puritans who coined the term, in Adam's fall, sin, we, we send all, right? Mm-hmm. So like a legislative representative, um, that uh, Adam represented us just like that. And so here we are, and we are um, caught up and bound uh, in his by, sin. Yeah, by and, his sin. And what, what's the story of Scripture? It's bad news and good news, right? Mm-hmm. And there is good news following all that we're saying here, We that uh, we have to have a new covenant, a new way of relating to God. And here's the good news. If we're ever going to be in a relationship with God again or have eternal life with him, there has to be a new covenant. And the fact, this is what Westminster Confession of Faith um, says in 7.3, man by his fall, having made himself incapable of life by that covenant. The covenant of works. The covenant works, Mm -hmm. thank you. The Lord was pleased to make a second covenant covenant, commonly called the covenant yeah. of grace. That's mm-hmm. good. And so just to, just to make sure that we have clarity of where we're at right now, which um, is important, we have now covered the covenant of works and now um, the second, which is the covenant of grace. Mm-hmm. And that is why the covenant of grace, this is why scripture says that we need grace, not on our own, not our own personal accomplishments or merit. We need grace. We don't need works. Uh, we need a new covenant mediator because yeah. Adam failed. Yeah, we need a better Adam. We need mm. a better Adam. That's exactly right. We need a new covenant that is not based on our works or efforts. That's the that's the covenant of works, right? Mm-hmm. But we need a covenant that is based on the works and efforts and righteousness of someone else. Yeah, Christ. Christ. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you for preaching that. Needed to hear that. Um, as we wrap up, because uh, we probably have only time for one more question here, guys. Let me circle back to where we started. The article we spoke about at the beginning, her first question was, how does the Bible actually fit together? It seems like a random collection of stories and rules that don't have any logical coherence. Oh, but it does have a coherence. Yeah. Yep. Right? It's the unfolding story of God's covenant relationship with humanity and humanity's failure to keep that covenant and the need for a better covenant, a covenant of grace where people... Or will God will save his people. And every story, every law is playing out this covenant relationship. Yeah. Well, she also wrote, um, what doesn't make sense is God preaching forgiveness, but couldn't forgive Adam and Eve. 
his most important creation. Instead of forgiving them for their transgressions, he threw them out of the garden after their first mistake. What's that all about? Well, we're going to talk more about this in more detail, but um, this is just wrong because mm, Adam and mm-hmm. Eve, Adam and Eve failed. Of course, they did. Absolutely, yes, they did. And Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden. Correct. She's correct mm-hmm. on that. But he also extended them a better and new covenant relationship. Yep. So this is the when he he instituted the covenant of grace. Correct. In the covenant of grace, you have two parties: God and His people. The conditions now are no longer works, but their faith. Mm-hmm. Right. In the, the previous episode, guys, we talked about faith being a gift from God. That's right. So he gives us graciously that that faith. Okay, that's the condition. Now the the promise it's it's a free gift of eternal life. So key word: free gift of eternal life mm-hmm. and forgiveness of sins. Okay, the penalty completely removed. Mm-hmm. Why? Because yeah. Jesus took the there penalty. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in the new covenant mediator, Christ Jesus, the better Adam. Mm-hmm. So again, yep. we're going to talk about this uh, next week, but God doesn't have, uh, he doesn't just leave community, uh, humanity. He doesn't leave humanity without forgiveness or grace. Right. In fact, God is exceedingly gracious and gives a humankind a new covenant to prove it. Because remember the conditions of the covenant of work? Mm-hmm. If you don't keep these, you die. Yeah, that's right. And so mm-hmm. God says... Okay, so grace is, I'll go die for them. Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll take the penalties of the covenant of works. Lastly, though, she, st- she talked about Exodus. Uh, why would God kill innocent children? Uh, they say he's a just God, but why would he kill innocent children because of the sins of Pharaoh? Uh, how would we take a stab at that? Yeah, again, if you don't recognize the implications of the covenant of works, you'll miss it completely. And again, that phrase, in Adam's fall... We sinned all. All humanity is born in sin and born guilty because of Adam's sin. And we're not just saying this. The Bible speaks clearly. Romans chapter 3, if you read through that, you will find that no one is righteous, not even one. That the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 3. And then if I can just read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, it's really clear. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And I know the world hates that language, children of wrath, but we have to have the bad news in order to understand the good news. news. Amen. So all humanity is guilty, deserves the punishment of death. So the people of Egypt, they they weren't perfectly innocent. So like the rest of humanity, they were born in Adam, they were born in the covenant of works, and they're subject to that same penalty. And maybe as we close here, just want to bring up one more time, uh, Romans chapter five, you read it a little bit earlier, Chad, but I think it's good to remind ourselves because you actually see both covenants. Next week, we're going to be talking about the covenant of grace. Uh, so we're going to dive back into this, but you see both of these covenants in Romans chapter five. Listen to it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Then it says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men in the covenant of works through Adam, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men, covenant of grace Mm -hmm. in Jesus. 
So beautiful. Yeah, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, Adam, covenant of works. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous, covenant of grace, Jesus. We're going to go ahead and end it there. Uh, Well, I want you guys to be sure to join us next week because we're going to dive deeper into what Scripture says about the covenant of grace. And until then, thanks again for joining joining us on Simply Disciples. See you next time. Thank you.